Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking the Tough 26 finale and Bellator 189. And Shaq, you know I'm a guy that defends the UFC on almost everything, but I cannot defend the fact that the Ultimate Fighter 26 finale is probably the worst card in UFC history. I mean, it's, it's just disappointing that we have... Dana fucked up big time on this is all I got to say. We could have easily waited six months for Valentina to fight. Joanna. Uh, Joanna or Valentina versus just anyone, anyone else that can make. Even like if it was Chukagian or, you know, we could have we waited six months. And he went ahead and signed off on this abomination that is just disgusting in my opinion. The fact that we have, you know, I'm sure these three and two chicks and two and two chicks are tough, but. The fact that you're selling a dream that you can have five fights and be a UFC champion and lose two of the five, you know what I'm saying, is a joke to me. And uh, it's unfortunate, but let's just talk about the real fights. You know, Brett Johns, Joe Soto, Terrion Warren, O'Malley, Spicely, GM3, and Sanchez and El Durte. Well, we will talk about the real fights, but man, I mean, talk about a low moment. Two and two versus three and two for a UFC world title, Shaq. And it's, it's so funny because when Aspen Ladd was fighting Jessica, I actually had to watch tape on Aspen Ladd, and she fought Tajara, and God have mercy, it was ugly. Aspen Ladd beat her ass and beat her ass bad. I mean, it was a tough, it was a good fight. I mean, Tajara's tough, but it was, it was one of those things where you just clench your teeth and uh, look away. <laughs> well, let's just get right down to business, man, because we got Brett Johns. He's minus 175, and the comeback on Joe Soto is plus 155. Now, this is probably the best fight on the entire card on paper, you know, pre-fight. And what are you thinking, man? Because Joe Soto, he's such a tough vet, but Brett Johns is 15-0. See that Joe Soto money's coming in gradually. Um, Brett Johns is no slouch. I mean, the pace that kid can push is ridiculous. That kid gets right into your face, and he likes to throw a volume of strikes, likes to tie you up and take you down. The thing is, he better be very fucking careful taking Joe Soto down because some of those guillotines are can put somebody to sleep. And uh, an overly aggressive guy like Brett Johns, it, uh, he might go to sleep. And, I mean, Joe Soto, we're talking about a guy that, you know, had Hani Yaya, who's like an ADCC champion, in an inverted triangle and just absolutely smashing him on the mat. And before that fight, it's funny because I, I saw interviews where Hani said that uh, if this fight hits the mat, that uh, it will be over quickly. And uh, Soto, Soto ended up uh, just toying with him. And, and uh, it was a great fight. And uh, Brett Johns' last fight against Albert Morales, I actually bet on Morales. You know, it was just the wrong pick. Uh, Brett Johns is just so much more of a, a guy that gets down to business right away. Like, he, he's going to go out there and try to win this fight. And I think he's going to scrape this one. I think he's going to – I think it's going to be a fight. I feel like he's going to have to escape some guillotines, escape some tricky positions. And Soto comes at you on the feet as well. I feel like Soto's – kind of slow he eats a lot of shots he has a tendency to fall down behind on the cards but if he can keep this eating the shots and keep moving forward it's gonna make he may hopefully he can get uh brett johns the panic shoot and choke him out but i think brett johns will get through it and then we can start looking to fade uh the pikey yeah man this is such a good fight and i understand why people are taking the shot on joe soda because the dude is a dog i mean he goes out there and he fights he came through for me i think it was plus 180 versus Hanayaya in brazil mounted crucifixing that multiple time uh jiu-jitsu world champion that was absolutely unbelievable but with brett johns 
I know he's an undefeated fighter. I know everyone's got to take that first L, but this kid's undefeated for a reason. I mean, he was beating Americans back on the regional scene. I know he's Welsh, but the dude's known for his wrestling. He's so damn strong in there, and you watch that fight with Albert Morales, and you might say to yourself, oh, Albert doesn't know how to wrestle. I'll tell you right now, Albert knows exactly how to stuff a takedown. Albert knows exactly how to get back up to his feet. It was simply a case where Brett Johns really is that physical in there. Brett Johns really is that strong in there, and... uh I think that Brett Johns can have a similar result here against Joe Soto. I think he can come out here, win the first two rounds. I think the third one, the third round will get a little hairy. But I see uh, Brett Johns scraping this one this one by. So uh, I agree with you, man. I got Brett Johns for the victory. Now next up, we got Eric Spicely. He's plus 160, and GM3 Gerald Mershart is minus 185. What do you think, Shaq? Both jiu-jitsu guys. Spicely is actually a really uh, tricky guy to fight because he's so weird. It's either going to be he pulls off a big upset like he did against Maheta and Alessio, or he's going to get, you know, completely embarrassed, like getting choked out by Sam Sam Alvey. Not Honey Yaya, Sam Alvey, you know, um, <laughs> which is embarrassing because I think I actually bet on that fight and I was just like, wow. And But, man, he beat Maheta Santos, which one doesn't simply do. But I'm going to go with GM3 here, Mershart. Even though he did just get his life absolutely changed his last fight, he got beat to a point where... But I feel like he's one of those guys that's... He's got like 45 fights. The guy's been dealing with this shit for so long. It's going to be interesting to see who has the advantage on the mat. I think Mershart has the advantage on the feet. But Spicely is a tricky motherfucker. So I'm going to go with Mershart, but it's a pass fight for me. Just for argument's sake, I'm going to go with Spicely on the other side here. I think that even though, like you said, it's super awkward, it's super weird when he's in there. You know, he's getting choked out by guys like Sam Alvey, but then he's choking out guys like Tiago Maheta Santos in the first round. I think he's got a knack for the upset. I think he's actually going to get the upset here. I think Gerald didn't take enough time off after the vicious bludgeoning he sustained against Tiago Maheta Santos. I know Gerald's the more experienced guy. I know that uh, he's beat the better guys, but... I'm going to go with Spicely for the upset here, Shaq. Now, next up, we got Andrew Sanchez. He's minus 500. The comeback on Ryan James is plus 400. Now, what do you think about uh, Andrew Sanchez being minus 500 here? Um, I, I mean, I guess I understand because, you know, James is what we like to refer to as a jobber. I mean, James literally walks forward at you with his chin straight up in the air. And, you know, he likes to rely on his ability to eat shot after shot after shot. But the thing is, people understand these type of motherfuckers are very tricky to fight because if you don't knock them out, the motherfucker's just going to keep moving forward, moving forward, eating shots, coming at you. And that's what happened with this fight against Marshman. You know, everyone thought Marshman was going to flatline him with the first punch. And uh, that wasn't the case at all. He ate every one of Marshman's overhand rights and answered back every single time. And Marshman scraped that decision out. And uh, I feel like it's going to be a similar fight here. I feel like Sanchez will get the job done, but Sanchez is very sloppy. He fights with his hands down. His cardio isn't that good. He is a two-time national champion at uh, NAIA, but the, guy's, the guy doesn't really like to use his wrestling unless he's fighting you know, somebody that will put the fear in him on the feet. But, uh, you know... I'm going to go with Sanchez in here, but you can't bet on James. Yeah, I mean, this is another one where it's like, why would you ever lay minus 500 on a guy like Andrew Sanchez who, I mean, yeah, okay, let's give him credit. It was Anthony Smith that knocked him out. But what about that time uh, Kevin Casey knocked this guy out? He's extremely chinny. But, uh, you know, before that too. Oh yeah, was there a time before that as well? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, Ryan James is one of these guys that 
You know, if you just watch the tape, it's super ugly, but the guy's awkward for the people that are actually in there fighting him. And he did this camp at Rufus Sport. And as a betting man, obviously I'm passing, but if I had to bet something, I'd probably take the plus 400 on James just because I ain't laying no minus 500 on Andrew Sanchez. But, you know, I really have no idea what's going to happen. But since the line is so wide, I mean, I guess as a pick, I'll, I'll say James. But, you know, please, please exercise caution if you're thinking about betting on uh, two jobbers like that. This one's going to be good, though, Shaq, because we got Sean O'Malley. He's minus 250, and the comeback on Terion Ware is plus 210. And I know we were looking very closely at this one, but ultimately passed on a bet. What are you thinking about this fight? I think it's a very tough fight to cap because O'Malley, you know, long term, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think he's going to be this guy that people have made him out to be. I don't think he's going to be a top 15 guy. I don't think he's going to be a top 25 guy. That doesn't mean he can't win this fight because even though Terion Ware is 17-5, and five, only losses are to Cody Stamen, who's, in my opinion, top two or three prospects at 135. Leandro Higo, top two, three guy in Bellator. Luke Sanders, a UFC fighter. Joe Soto, a top 15 Bantamweight. You know, those are real fighters. You know what I'm saying? O'Malley's a real fighter. I'm not going to. I think he's got amazing timing, you know. But when you're fighting a guy like uh, Edmund Taverdian, trained fighter, who's literally coming at you with his hands down and chin up in the air. You know, it's easy to style on him. It's easy to look good. And the guys that he's been fighting, he's been able to do that, too. And I saw a couple fights on the on their local scene. And, I mean, look, if he gets past this one, it's going to all come to light eventually because the kid's wrestling is not up to par with the rest of the bantamweights in this division. I'll tell you right now. I mean, we're talking about if we put the kid in there with, with Douglas De Silva D'Andrade, I think it would be like a, a one-sided butchering, even with... Uh, you know, just even lower lower level guys, even the guy that fought on the the contender series before him, Boston Salmon. I think Boston Salmon would take that fight. Um, you know, I think the thing with Terry on Ware is he is 31 years old. This is probably his last big hoorah. You know, he finally got that call to the UFC. Is he gonna is he gonna finally show up? I mean, look, his fight with Salmon. I thought it was a case of how all his losses go. He fights guys competitively on the feet. And they take him down. And that's what Higo did. That's what Luke Sanders did. I watched that fight live. And I'm sure that's what Soto did. And that's what Cody Stamen did. And that's not going to be the case here because O'Malley cannot wrestle. So Tarion's going to get his fight. He doesn't have to He doesn't have to sprawl. But is he going to use his offensive wrestling in this fight? Because it would be smart. But even on the feet, I think if Tarion stays in him, especially in rounds two and three, that he can win this fight. And I think he will. But I can't bet on it just because these type of fights, when, you, when you're going up against the UFC hype machine, it's like, I'm sure, you know, in behind the scenes or just it just seems like everything's probably going against you know the guy that's being counted out everything is in favor of O'Malley you know what I'm saying and uh will Terion come out and fight I don't know I'm, I feel more confident in other things so I'm gonna pass but I, I think Terion's gonna do it man this is such a tough one for me to call you know I was on the verge of playing Terion just because I don't think O'Malley's that good but then you watch the tape on Terion and I mean, he's also, you know, he's a bit of a journeyman. It is what it is. And uh, look, Terion does have some good hands for, for MMA. You know, he's a decent boxer. I mean, nothing astounding or anything like that. But with O'Malley, he's super wild out there. But he is a knockout artist, okay? Even though it's ugly to watch and he's got absolutely no wrestling or jujitsu, which uh, are two things you need to be in the UFC, Shaq. Uh, the dude's uh, got an affinity for the knockout. Now, I know on the 
the contender series. He knocked out a Coach Edmund guy, and you know you got Snoop Dogg going, "Oh Mally, oh Mally!" I know with Snoop Dogg going crazy, it gets you pumped up. But I mean, he beat a Coach Edmund guy, and then you're like, "Okay, well, who did he beat before that to get that opportunity?" Shaq, he beat a one and nine guy before that to get this opportunity. You know what I mean? So he's been fighting absolute scrubs, and Terion. Even though he lost, he's been in there with guys like Cody Stamen, Joe Soto, Leandro Higo, Luke Sanders. So his level of competition is a lot higher. But in a way, this kind of has that feel like Canones versus Sage Northcutt. And, you know, I was very wrong in picking Canones because, you know, on the regional scene, he's going out there. He's blasting dudes with windmills. He's knocking dudes out with kicks and punches. But then he goes into the big show and he doesn't even throw a single punch. It's like, what the hell is going on here? It was very, very fishy, actually. I'm scared of this being a similar situation where I know Terion's got the skills, but is he going to let it go? Are you going to come out here and fight this kid, Terion? Are you going to put the pressure on him like you should? I really don't know. So for that reason, I'm passing. Well, Shaq, I know there's no lines out yet, but I need to get some quick picks because between you and me, there's no title fight, but officially on paper, there there's a title fight here, man. And uh Nico Montano, she's three and two. She's taking on Sajara Eubanks, who's two and two. Quickly, who do you think is going to become the inaugural women's flyweight champion? It's disgusting, but I'll, I'll take Eubanks. Man, I was going to take Eubanks too, just because, like, even though she's two and two, the two chicks she lost to are currently in the UFC. But just to be contrarian, I'll take Nico Montano. You know what? I'm gonna go with Sajara though, because, like, you know, I, I think uh, my boy Vic. Uh, was telling me that, that she's the real deal for that weight class, okay, Shaq? You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm going to take Nico Montano. But look, it, it's one of these things where it's like I always defend the UFC. How the fuck can I defend the UFC putting 2-2 two and two versus 3-2 and two for a goddamn world title when you could have easily done Valentina versus Joanna and then maybe have one of these ladies work their way up for the chance to – to get this title shot. I know people are going to be like, oh, but they won the tournament. Yeah, they were beating jobbers. They were beating scrubs. They beat Roxanne Modafferi. And, like, I know Roxanne's this icon in women's MMA or whatever. She was on a six-fight losing streak recently. She was getting KO'd slam by fighters like Sarah Kaufman recently. I'm just like, man. Jessica Ricosi beat this girl by knockout. Jessica Ricosi's 1-10. in I mean, it's just one of those things where... Roxy beat her ass, by the way. Raquel beat Roxy. Oh, okay. Who did Raquel lose to on tough? We won't want to talk about that. Probably Jessica Ricosi. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh, I thought you meant Roxanne Malfair. Okay, got you, got you. But uh, that being said, man, you know, when you're beating guys like, when you're beating chicks like Roxanne Modafferi, when you're beating chicks like Barb Honchek, and I know, you know, to these hardcore women's MMA fans, like, oh, Barb Honchek, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. She hasn't fought in four years. She hasn't fought since 2014, and. She lost to Angela Magania. That's the kind of level we're dealing with here. So you got Eubanks. I got Montana. We'll see what the fuck happens. And speaking of Modafferi and Hanchek, who you got? Quick pick. I will never pick Roxanne Modafferi in a fight, so Hanchek. I mean, she did beat Felice, Leslie Smith, and some other UFC fighters. You know, as much as it hurts to pick someone that lost to Angela Magania, I think I have to pick Barb Hanchek simply because she's not Roxanne Modafferi. All right. A couple more quick picks before we go on this card. 
there's this chick named Ariel Beck, and she uh, she had a mental breakdown on the show, man. Uh, you know, Eddie Alvarez had to console her because she was having a panic attack, and now she's taking on Shayna Dobson, who lost to Roxanne, but she actually landed one nice right hand, and I think that right hand will be enough to make Ariel Beck question herself. I don't know what the line is yet, but uh, I'll go with uh, Shayna Dobson. What do you think? I mean, if you're having panic, <coughs> panic attacks in practice, I would never pick you in a fight. And, I mean, I saw her strike. It was completely horrendous, just like most of these females are. Uh, no offense, you know. Like I said, in the female betting game, you got to find the ones that can fight technically, the ones that can go three rounds, the, one that, the ones that have the power to put fear in another chick. And Dobson might have that power. She probably, you know, isn't going to realize it anytime soon. But maybe she will in this particular fight. And she's my pick. And last but not least, Lauren Murphy. The most. She oh, she ain't fighting Rachel Ostovich? No, it's official. She's not fighting. Okay, so we don't even got to talk about her. Bellator 189 is going down on tomorrow, Friday, real quick. We got Adam Piccolotti. He's minus 185, and he's taking on the caveman. Dave Rickles is plus 160. And I know we were high on Piccolotti, and he had to take that first L to Goiti Yamauchi, who's a who was a bat out of hell for that fight. And let me add, he's got a big fight coming up, and he might uh, come through as a dog. But. He's taking on Rickles here, minus 185. I was expecting minus 285. You think this is a good spot for Piccolotti? Actually, it might be. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, when I get back home, I'm gonna look into it a little bit, just because you know I don't look, I don't knock Piccolotti at all for his fight against Goitiyama Uchi, where you know he was the favorite going into that fight, because you know he had that aura of being the number one prospect at uh, he was the number one prospect at 155, and uh, <laughs> and uh. Hold on a second, bro. Is Roxanne Montefiore getting a fucking title shot? I think so. Oh, my God. Sajara can make weight again. The, the low moments. And that's why you don't do shit like this, Dana White. But anyways, keep talking about Piccolotti. Oh, yeah, and Piccolotti. I don't look at him at all. I mean, Goiti Yamauchi is 24 years old, and he's got, like, 30 fights. And, I mean, it happens. When you're undefeated, sometimes you have performances where you show up. Uh, where you show up flat, and sometimes you get smoked, and that's what happened. And and keep an eye out for Goitiyama Uchi because that performance was absolutely amazing. Like I, Piccolotti had no chance in that fight from the opening bell, and we're talking about David Rickles, who, you know, who David Rickles lost to about a year ago that everyone beats. Melvin Guillard. When you can't beat Melvin Guillard, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's just like, why would I pick him in a fight? Uh, I mean, David Rickles, he beat Davi Ramos. He beat a couple of other guys. I mean, he's a over 500 fighter in Bellator, but those mostly ones are against guys that aren't up to par on Piccolotti's level. So I think Piccolotti's going to come out here, stay at a distance, you know, take him down whenever he wants, and probably choke him out. Hey, real quick. So I just found out Sajara Eubanks missed weight. It's going to be Roxanne Modafferi versus Nico Montano. Who you got? Nico Montano. I got Nico Montano as well. She will become the new UFC women's flyweight champion. And uh, we might not even look into that betting-wise when the when the odds come out, which they haven't yet. But, man, it's such a low moment for the sport. <laughs> but anyways, Chidi Anjikawani is minus 175. The comeback on Hisaki Kato is plus 155. And I got to tell you what, man, Hisaki Kato, you know, they bring him in to lose to Joe Schilling in MMA, try to give Joe Schilling a win. He Superman punch, knocks him out, and then they're like, you know what, that was a fluke, so why don't we actually give you Joe Schilling in kickboxing itself? And then uh, he knocks out Joe Schilling with a spinning back fist, so you can't be counting out Hisaki Kata, but Chitty, I know he came through with that max bet against Melvin Gillard, but uh, he ain't fighting Melvin Gillard this time, bro. What do you think? 
You know, Chitty, I feel like he has all the talent in the world. His last fight, though, was, man, he missed weight by five pounds. And, uh, and, um, he got completely smashed on by a top 10 welterweight in the world in Korshkov. So, you know, I don't knock him down. Now he's moving, now he's moving up. And like we said, this guy, Kato, has the, the knack for these big KOs, these big fluke KOs. And, uh, and, uh, I don't think he's going to do it. I actually think Chitty's going to get the job done, slow him down with the low kicks, and eventually either win a, a lackluster Chitty decision or knock him out. Man, it's interesting because, who would you pick? Sorry. Chitty. You know, Chitty is coming off a life changer with uh, with Koreshkov. Koreshkov whooped that ass, man. But I've been impressed with Chitty because even though he doesn't take that many risks, I mean, when he does decide to throw, I mean, you saw that Andre Fialho fight when he knocked that dude out in 28 seconds. You saw the Melvin Guillard 30-24. Uh, when he's on his game, he, he's something to behold, man. But Hisaki Kato is one of these guys you don't count out because he can knock anyone out in that weight class. You know this fight is going to be contested on the feet. You know what, man? I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to take Hisaki Kato. I'm not sure if he's going to be, uh, you know, one of the, the first to knock out Chitty. You know, I know... Our boy Korshkov just did with ground and pound, but I'm talking standing KO. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, it could be a three round war or someone could get knocked out. Now, a fight I'm really interested in is Chris Honeycutt. He's minus 265 versus Rafael Lovato Jr., who's plus 225. And I mean, we know this is D1 wrestler versus third degree black belt. I'm very intrigued. I think this is actually the best matchup of the day. What do you think about this one? Uh, it's a good fight. You know, I've lost on Honeycutt before. Back in my parlaying days, he got knocked out by uh, Paul Bradley. But all these fights before that, I used to bet on him, and he used to win um, just by taking down these drivers. But generally, you got to be careful with a guy like uh, Lovato. You know, Lovato, I feel like he's his last fight I watched against Mike Roach, I feel like he's very slow on the feet. But Honeycutt's no fucking K1 striker. He's just a wrestler that's a meathead that likes to overpower guys. And um, let's see... You know, as far as a bet, I feel like the lines are just because we're talking about a, a a super credentialed black belt against a meathead wrestler that you know is gonna uh, shoot in recklessly at times. But the thing is, Honeycutt, I saw a couple of nice things. You know, when uh, Casey wrapped his head, I mean, he passed his guard like right away, like the second his neck got wrapped around. But the thing is, he got choked out at the end of the first round. It's just that uh, he he didn't go out. He just he came back too very fast. And he TKO'd Kevin Casey, which is, you know, if you if if you don't know how to beat Kevin Casey by now, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So it is what it is, you know? If you're a top 100 fighter and you haven't figured out how to beat Kevin Casey yet. <laughs> you know what yet? I'm saying? It is what it is. Um, you know, his fight against uh, Rhodes, you know, he had this nice little uh, half guard speed. Lovato did, but I, I just, I don't. I don't see that happening against Honeycutt, so I think he's going to have to actually either sweep him from bottom straight up or choke him out shooting in. Um, it's going to be interesting to see on the feet. I feel like Honeycutt's just slightly better because Honeycutt really ain't shit on the feet. Lovato's super old and slow. Uh, I'll take Lovato, but we'll, we'll make talks in terms of a bet. I'm going to take Lovato as well. Look, I know... Chris Honeycutt's got more Bellator experience, but look, man, Rafael Lovato has been making this shit work, and he's not afraid to throw on the feet because he feels like if you take him down to the mat, hey, that's in his world now, and I think what's going to actually happen here is you saw how Chris Honeycutt, he shoots, he leaves his head on the outside, and Kevin Casey was almost able to get him in a guillotine in that first round. I think when we're talking about a third-degree black belt, you know, one of the first Americans to win one of the higher tournaments over Brazilians in Rafael Lovato Jr., 
I think he's going to be able to get that guillotine choke. I think he's going to choke out Chris Honeycutt and come through as a plus 225. Now, I have other bets on the line, so I haven't moved in here. Plus, he's super old. And, you know, it's it, this is a sketchy Bellator fight, so I'm going to pass, but my pick is Rafael Lovato Jr. Well, man, we did it. Uh, you know, a couple switch-ups as we were recording, a couple more low moments, and, uh, you know... As a guy, like I said, who always defends the UFC, how the fuck do I defend Roxanne Mataferi fighting for a UFC world title? Like I said, this is Dana White's worst move he's ever done. I mean, just we could have waited six months. That's all I got to say. It's really unfortunate. But look, I wish the best of luck to anyone that's betting this card and all that stuff. Follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews. And uh, make sure you listen to our 218 breakdown because uh, we give a little bit more of a shit on that one. You know what I'm saying? So until the next time, let's cash these bets.